This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When I met you in the summer... I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to the Equity Mates Summer Series, proudly brought to you by Sharesies. Over 12 episodes, we're deep diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, and well-known companies from Australia and the US. Each episode, we're also joined by an expert to help us unpack the key metrics, the bull case, and the bear case for each company. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. I'm excited for this episode. We're deviating slightly from our format here because we just happen to choose potentially the most complex corporate structure on the share market to yes. do with one of our 12 companies. Yes. So we have the expert in the room to help us uh, talk through the whole episode. That's it. The company we're talking about today is Liberty Media. Yeah. Uh, but people probably aren't familiar with that name. They might be more familiar with a key asset they own, the Formula One. Yes, can't wait to unpack this. Liberty Media, owner of Formula One, and our expert is none other than Andrew Brown from E72. Andrew, welcome. Thanks, gentlemen. So, yes, Ren, as you said, uh, we normally get the expert in at the end, but uh, Andrew is well across this stock, so why not throw him in the deep end from the start? Andrew has a real niche in incredibly complex corporate... Uh, <laughs> structures. Structures <Yeah>. or messes. <laughs> messes, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> now, uh, as I said, Equity Mate Summer Series is supported by Sharesies. A uh, couple of reasons we love Sharesies. The platform is easy and approachable, especially with Auto Invest, where you can truly execute dollar cost averaging into Australia, US, and New Zealand shares. All markets are available. Pick the order, choose the amount you want to regularly invest and let auto invest do the rest. You could dollar cost average into all nine of Liberty Media's uh, you could, shares. You could. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Use promo code GROW when you sign up to the Shares' platform for $10 into your account. Ready to invest, promo T's and C's apply or download the app or visit sharesies.com.au for more. And while we are licensed, we are not aware of your personal circumstances. All info on this show is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only. How is that for an intro? That's pretty good. It's for education purposes. And if you get through this episode, I think you get a PhD at the end of it. (laughs) Now, we've been starting the episodes, Andrew, by describing the company in one sentence. We've got our sentence for it, but I'd love to hear you explain it in one sentence. Oh, it's the John Malone universe. 
Okay, there you go. that's three words. <laughs> and we'll we'll uh, introduce people to John Malone in a second. What's your take on it, Rand? Uh, <laughs> a media conglomerate that also happens to own the Formula One and a baseball team. There you go. Nice. So let's do you, meet. Do you have a crack? Or? No, we've done this together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's meet John C. Malone. Let's meet John yeah. C. Malone. Who is he? John C. Malone, uh, at 32 years of age, was basically drafted in as the chief operating officer of a heavily indebted cable broad or cable company called TCI Telecommunications Inc., which was established by a guy called Bob Magnus. And John came in and basically together with Bob, they grew the equity base of TCI by acquisition by loads and loads and loads of debt through basically the the cable wars, if you want, in the US. Bob died eventually, but uh, John obviously became the executive chairman uh, and eventually John sold TCI to um, Warner, uh, sorry, to AT&T and uh, basically made a whole bunch of money from that transaction. However, (laughs) if you keep collecting cable companies, along the way you collect some cable companies and a few assets that you don't really want. And so along the way, John got Bob to agree to package them up into a company called Liberty. And you could buy shares in Liberty when when it actually started, but to do so you had to give up some of your shares in TCI. Okay, so there's a really complex paper that you can find on the internet uh, about this and it actually uses that as an example. And uh, effectively what happened is uh, only about a third of the people, uh, only about a third of the entitlements to liberty when it actually floated were actually taken up. So people just weren't interested in what was essentially one of the first um, crap co's. You know, if you remember uh-huh. BHP spinning out South 32, which yeah. was called crap co. Yeah, it, it was one of the first crap co's. And basically Malone put up next to no money either. So, you know, this guy's entry price to just about everything in his universe is, is, is pretty much close to zero. Mm. So uh, he's 81 at the moment, by the way, just to give you an idea. Net worth of $9 billion in 2021. Yeah. It's done all right. By Absolutely. some estimates, the largest private landowner in the US. Correct. I thought, I thought yeah. Bill Gates was. So did I. Yeah. yeah. But they both own a lot. They both own a lot. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a publicly listed company on the pink sheets called uh, J. Boswell. Boswell are actually the largest uh, oh, landowner in the US, but they're, they're obviously a corporation. Yeah, yeah right. they're, okay. they're, 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 you know, they literally, you know, they grow stuff, you know, it's real yeah, agriculture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, so there's a story about Malone that we wanted to include uh, because I think it characterises who he is. Former Vice President Al Gore nicknamed him Darth Vader. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> Bit of a ruthless businessman. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And in 2005, Malone held 32% of News Corp and Rupert had concerns he might lose it's, the company It's actually 19% to of the voting stock. Right. Okay. And okay. so yeah, he yeah. nearly had, you've got to remember, obviously, that the, the Murdochs control news through the voting stock. Mm. They've got next to no non-voting stock. Um, and Malone basically got to 19% of the voting stock. And he sort of Rupert wanted him to stop, <laughs> and he wouldn't. So I guess why does this all matter? This well, is the uh, person that owns 
or controls liberty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And imagine yeah. if he controlled News Corp. How yeah. different the world I know. would be. Well, imagine <laughs> and if Al Gore was president. Yeah, True. Effect- <laughs> no, effectively, in December 2006, he, he did an agreed asset swap, which kind of, you know, because Murdoch just simply wasn't sleeping at night. Mm. So so he did an agreed asset swap and, and the News Corp went back. That story is actually relevant for where we get to today. Oh, yeah. Because... As part of the asset swap, it was three-way, News Corp, Time Warner and Liberty. Yes. And Liberty ended up with one of their key assets that we will touch on in a second, the Atlanta Braves baseball team. That is correct. (laughs) Absolutely. Sports. One of the critical things that it also touches on, guys, is is that News Corp is controlled by the Murdochs through a a, a voting and non-voting share structure and obviously all their money is in the voting shares. some of the Liberty Combine, which is effectively seven different groupings of companies, which are held in in nine different structures, okay, John controls some of those with as little as 2% of the economic value of the company. Wow. So uh, I, uh, I own stock in Liberty Broadband, okay. Uh, Liberty Broadband exists to own 26% of Charter Communications, which is one of the big cable companies in the US, and John's shareholding is exclusively in the super voting B shares, which have 10 votes, and he owns 92% of those, but next to nothing else. So his actual control of the economic equity of Liberty Broadband is 2.1%, but he controls the company. And just for people who get lost in that, um, what what that means is that he doesn't have to have that much money his, of his personal Correct. wealth invested in a company, but he controls the decision-making of the company. Absolutely right. So you, you will all know that for Facebook or now Meta Platforms, obviously uh, Zuckerberg has super voting shares. Mm. It's exactly the same with Alphabet. Uh, Sergey and Larry have yeah. super voting shares. So it's, it's no different except in the Liberty groups of companies, there are three sets of shares. There are ordinary shares, which are called A shares in in each case. There are super voting shares, and there are not very many of those. They're called B shares, and and they're usually held by somebody called Malone. And then there are C shares, which usually have the suffix K. So uh, Liberty Broadband's LBRDK, okay, and they're non-voting shares, and there are usually scads of those. Mm. Mm. So let's close out the history to get mm. to, to today. Get to today yeah. Yeah. So you spoke there about the three-way asset swap, News Corp, Time Warner and Atlanta Braves. Yeah, no, no, no. News Corp, Time Warner and Liberty. Liberty. So, and Liberty, yeah. sorry. Then in 2009, Liberty invested $530 million into Sirius XM, yes. a satellite radio provider yep. uh, to help them avoid bankruptcy. Date is important there. Yep. Depths of the GFC, 2009. Yep. 5.30, well mm. played. And then in 2017, yeah. they bought Formula One yep. for $4.6 billion. Yes, correct. And that brings us to today. Yes. yes. So, Andrew, yeah. uh, as succinctly as possible, <laughs> because okay. it is a complex structure, but it how is. would you sum up Liberty today? Liberty Media today. Li- yeah. Okay, Liberty Media today is comprised of three businesses, okay, which you said are Formula One, the Atlanta Braves, and Sirius XM. In the case of Sirius XM, let's deal with that first, okay? There's a structure called Liberty Sirius XM. Just just quickly yep. for people who aren't familiar with it, it's digital satellite radio. It's digital That's, satellite it's digital satellite radio. What's happened is Liberty have combined their interests in 
this kind of satellite radio and live events. And so they created a company called Liberty Sirius XM. It's got the three stocks, you know, the the voting, the super voting and the non-voting. It has 81% of Sirius XM. Sirius XM is a listed stock in its own right. Mm. It controls 33% of Live Nation. Okay, it's ticketing live events. If people have followed the Taylor Swift controversy, uh, uh, Live Nation owns Ticketmaster and yep. uh, a lot of live venues and stuff like that. That's yeah. right. Uh, it owns 33% of them. That, of course, is a listed company in its own right as well. Yeah, so bluntly, Liberty Sirius XM, yeah, it's a bit of a useless structure. It's just a hold. <laughs> it's a special purpose vehicle holding structure. You know, for the Malone interests in those two companies. And what's coming up is, of course, you know, obviously life's a bit boring in John's world at the moment, so he's going to separate out the Live Nation bit from the Sirius XM bit and create three new A, B and K shares. Now, just for the world as it is today, there are three uh, stock tickers for Liberty Sirius XM, that that first... Yep. Structure that Andrew just spoke about. Uh, tickers, LSXMAs, uh, they're the A shares that have one vote. Yep. LSXMB, the B shares that have 10 votes. Good yep. luck getting your hands on those, yep. but they are listed. Okay. They are. And then LSXMK, which are the C shares with zero votes. Yep. At some point, I'm going to ask Andrew why he doesn't call it LSXMC, but let's not derail the explanation of what liberty is. (laughs) So that's that's number one. I'm going to preempt that question and say I don't know. Okay. But in exchange for that, I will give you a very interesting fact, which I think is interesting to your audience. The A shares have a vote, obviously, and you would think they would be worth more than the C shares, which don't have a vote. Virtually across the whole Liberty structure, the C shares traded a premium to the A shares. Why is that? Because there's many more of them and they're much more liquid. Ah, okay. Okay. So liquidity often trumps the value of a vote in a structure that's controlled by some other voting jet, which it is in this case. Yeah, so for... For people wondering, it means if you're a big shareholder and you want to get out quickly because Malone's lost his mind, yeah, it's a lot easier to get out of C <laughs> than it is A. Absolutely, and that is that is relevant in Formula One when we get to it. Okay, very well, relevant. Well, so let's let's put let's say Formula One to yeah, last. Absolutely. So the first uh, of the three key divisions, key structures, yep. Liberty Sirius XM, and then we've got the second one, Batra, the, the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> The Atlanta Braves, obviously, a baseball team. You can track baseball team values very easily. Uh, Forbes magazine every year does um, does values of each of the sporting teams in the four major American sports. Uh, I, I track them fairly religiously, but not in baseball. I track them in basketball because uh, I have stock in the only listed basketball company, which is Madison Square Garden Sports, oh, yeah. who own the appalling New York Knicks. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, and those valuations actually are way better than you might imagine. They're really good. They tend to be, if anything, a little bit conservative. By really good, you mean really accurate? Yeah. Yeah. They're quite accurate. If if they're not accurate, it's because they understate. 
yeah, rather yeah. than what you would expect, which would be the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so the Braves trade, when you include their debt, the Braves trade roughly at around the Forbes value of the Braves, uh, which is which is basically just over what is about two point seven billion. Okay. The Braves is not just the baseball team; it is the stadium, and there's some quite significant surplus property which is being redeveloped around it. So as much as anything else, because the Braves are, you know, the Braves are a very successful team. You know, they've won the NL East, I think, you know, three of the last four seasons. Um, so they're very successful. They sell out most of the games. But to be blunt to me as an investor, it's not that appealing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We're not really sat here in the middle of Sydney going, oh, did you see the Braves game last night? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, we didn't. Whereas, you know, if I say to you in the middle of Sydney, did you see the Manchester United game last night? You go, oh, yeah, wasn't it fantastic? Mm. You know, when are they going to sell Harry Maguire? You know, <laughs> um, you know, and you talk about it. So baseball, yeah, it's great in America, but it, to me it's just a domestic market with some growth, obviously, in the Hispanic world. Clearly. Yeah, and Asia. Japan, and, big in baseball. Asia, big yeah. in baseball in Japan and everything else, but, you know, because of time differences and things like that, unless there's a Japanese-born pl- player, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's not the great big global sport. So mm. if uh, baseball doesn't get you up as an investor, is it uh, the redevelopment of downtown it's Atlanta <laughs> that's getting you up in the morning? No. <laughs> it's, it's The big issue, Ren, is that in the case of the Braves, they're trading around the Forbes valuation, whereas, the, the uh, for example, Madison Square Garden Sports, and, and they do not own the stadium because mm. that's in a separate vehicle. Uh, that's controlled by the Dolan family. All these things, by all these sports things, are all controlled by a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you add together the value of the Knicks, which, despite the fact they're so hopeless, they're now only the second most valuable team in baseball. Mm. They've been overtaken by the Golden State Warriors. It's it's good to be in New York. It's good to Even be in New York. <laughs> uh, and, and for years and years and years, forever, the New York Rangers have been the most valuable team in hockey. And together they trade at roughly a 50% discount to the addition of the Forbes valuations. Oh, wow. And there's very little debt or net debt in the structure. Please bear in mind sports teams are really hard to get a handle on the balance sheet Mm because of things like corporate boxes, Mm -hmm. commercial revenues. When does that money come in? You know, if it all comes in on the 1st of July and you Mm -hmm. look at the balance sheet on the 2nd of July, oh, look at all the cash. (laughs) It's it's got to last a year, guys. Sorry. Um, So there are things like that. So they're trading at a big discount uh, uh, and I think eventually the Dolans will sell. So, you know, I think there's some potential upside there. Right. So to recap, we have Sirius XM. Yep. Three listed. Yep. Braves. Braves. Three listed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Batra A. B. B A T R B. And B. I should say B A T R A. B A T R B. And B B A T R K. There you go. Which then leaves us with one, the third major division. Formula One. Formula One. Not to put it too bluntly, in terms of uh, many businesses that you see listed, and I'm going to put valuation apart here because I will touch on that, this is serious sex on wheels. <laughs> There's no other Oh, so you've been watching Drive it. to Survive. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I've, I've been a Formula One fan on and off ever since I was, you know, a kid, you know, so I can remember Jackie Stewart and Graham Hill and, you know. And, and, yeah, yeah, all, know, those and all those guys. All those guys you've never heard of, yeah. And, and the ones that were died bef- and the ones who died before you were alive, yeah. yes. Mm. 
So Formula One is really, really attractive. And I want to lay out, if I can, a, a thesis about sports and investing in sport. And you can apply this to a sports team, if you wish. Just just hmm. so people understand, yeah. uh, before you lay out that thesis, because I'm keen to hear yeah. it, uh, Formula One, you know, with the Braves who were talking about owning a particular yeah. team, with yeah. Formula One, they Formula actually One, own the whole own the sport. sport. There yes. are only two listed sports in the world. Don't tell us the second one. Can we guess it? Two listed sports. Sports. Yeah. Um, is it is it like a mainstream sport? Like would we or is it going to be like depends what your IQ is? It, depends what your IQ is. is. Oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. Do you want to try and guess? Chess. WWE. <laughs> Correct. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely uh, yeah, right. Spot, yeah. on. Uh, Spot on. So just so you own the sport Formula One. Yep. And again, as with the other two, three tracking stocks. Yep. F W O N A. F-W-O-N-B and F-W-O-N-K. Correct. So just to summarise here, what we're saying is you can't buy just stock in Liberty. You have to be buying into the business units. That's yeah. the first thing to consider. Yep. To make it even more confusing, they are about to change it up again. They are. <laughs> They're going to be spinning off the Atlanta Braves out of Liberty and create a new tracking stock love tracking stocks for their 35% ownership of Live Nation. Yeah. That Sirius XM business which owned Live Nation will have Live Nation stripped from it. <laughs> yes, correct. And it'll have its own set of tracking stocks. What's important, okay, is the Braves are going to become a company in their own right. Okay? So you'll roll, they'll roll those three different tracking stocks yeah. into just one normal company. There'll be one normal company <laughs> but it'll still have differential voting stock. Right. Can I just make sure you people understand the difference between a company and a tracker stock? Please. Okay. A tracker stock is something that's listed on a stock exchange that is designed to give people that invest in the tracker stock uh, effectively the economic outcome of that part of the business of the conglomerate. Okay. So in this case, Liberty Media. If Liberty Media goes broke... You can't sit there and say, oh, but I own shares in the Atlanta Braves. They haven't gone broke. Steph, okay? The actual legal entity is called Liberty Media, okay? You are just getting, uh, you are just getting a stock that tracks, mm. hence the name, mm. the performance of Atlanta Braves, Formula One, or, you know, Liberty Sirius XM. And I think for most investors listening, uh, you invest in companies for their economic interest. Correct. So it doesn't affect us. But if we, if Bryce and I decide to become uh, corporate raiders yeah, and do yeah. leverage buyouts, then all of a sudden the fact that it's just a tracking stock means... You, you've got a problem. <laughs> our our <laughs> leverage buyout career is going to end before it starts. Correct. <laughs> and, 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 and so you understand that. If you go on, if you go to the SEC website or you go to, you know, the corporate website and you download load the results for any given quarter, you will see that, you know, you only want the Formula One results, but you're going to get the results of the other company, uh, of the other tracker stocks, whether you like it or not. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. And the balance sheet's all meshed in together as well. You know, the liabilities are all Liberty Media liabilities, but then they have some separate bonds for Formula One and things like that. They do do a good job of effectively busting it out, so you can get a good idea yeah. of, of what's yeah. going on. Now, we are going to just focus the remaining part of this episode on Formula One, yeah. the sex yeah. on wheels, as yeah. Andrew explains it. But just a reminder that 
that you can access US stock market, Australian and New Zealand markets on the Sharesies platform with no investment minimum. Use promo code GROW when you sign up to the Sharesies platform for $10 in your account, ready to invest. All investing involves risk. This is not a recommendation and you should perform your own research. Promo T's and C's apply. Now we're going to take a quick break and on the other side, we're going to start with Andrew's thesis on investing in sports and then do a deep dive on Formula One. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, Ren. Well, sports investing. Sports investing. Now, we've spoken recently on the podcast about Andrew's investor letter, a 72 investor letter, where he wrote about Manchester United. Yeah, the value play. Yeah, people can find that on his website if they want to read about it. So, Andrew, you're deeply in the world of sports investing. Before the break, you teased us that you have a thesis. So, let's start yeah. there. This apply. I mean, the best thing to invest in is the sport itself. Okay, rather than an individual sports team. You know, because if you invest in Manchester United and they get relegated, you, you know, it, it's an existential <laughs> threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whereas the, the, if you were able to invest in the English Premier League, it doesn't matter who's in it. So the sports themselves, there's a six-point circle uh, in, in my mind about investing in sports. So the first is the intrinsic attraction of watching brilliant practitioners. Okay, so it doesn't matter if they're Federer, uh, Woods, Messi, Lewis Hamilton, Real Madrid, mm. whoever it is. Steve so Smith. There's an intrinsic attraction of seeing people do things that you simply can't do. Okay. Mm. The second is what does that do? Okay. It creates a passion in you for either the person or, of course, much better sometimes, the team. And so what you've got to have is you've got to have competition so that Messi can show you just how good Messi is and Real Madrid can show you just how good Real Madrid are. So you must have the best compete against the best. You cannot have Mercedes competing against Ford Fiestas and on another circuit, Ferrari you know, competing against little minis, mm. okay? You've got to have Mercedes and Ferrari together, yeah. okay? So it means you've got to have the competition glued together, which is the third aspect of it. When you do that, you get passion, you get competition, and you get debate. Now, sports, uh, and we'll come on to sports content in a minute... 
sports content is much more than showing the race and showing the game, mm. okay? It's about jibber, okay? <laughs> there are 24-hour-a-day sports jibber radio stations. There's heaps of them in America. And uh, TV. And TV. Mm. There's, there's Talk Sport in the UK, which, which is owned by News Corp. You know, so there's, you know, and now, of course, there's podcasts galore, mm. okay? And what you've got to have, you've got to have lots of other, you've got to have lots of ways that people can interact with the sport, you know, whether it's a simple phone in, you know, say, Sel Maguire, you know, or what's Ricardo doing, mm. okay, or something more. And so what Formula One used to be like before it was acquired by Liberty media was it was closed yeah there was no interaction with the drivers. Mm. You didn't know whether, you know, driver XYZ was, was highly amusing with a wonderful personality, mm. you know, or a sort of chess-playing automaton, yeah, you know. Just yeah. you had no idea. And Netflix blew that apart. Yeah, you had no interaction with them and also it was hard to show, like, yeah. highlights and stuff on social media yeah, and absolutely. YouTube. And, yeah. You sort of knew that the drivers, because of the nature of the sport, they've got to be competitive. They've got to be, you know like on the edge and so it's got to give them different personalities but you know you, you had no idea that Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen lived on completely different planets mm. and therefore it was inevitable that one of them was going to leave Red Bull four years ago yeah you know, and it wasn't going to be Verstappen and that was by design because the yeah. pre-Liberty owner Bernie Eccleston correct wanted it that way absolutely yeah. The fourth thing, because of that, because of the competition, so because of the attraction of the practitioners, because of the fact they're in a key competition, because there's passion and other content, the media rights become worth a fortune. Yeah. Okay. The media rights actually show the races and show the game become worth a fortune. And it's it's quite funny for most sports, and in fact for most sports teams, by and large, the money they get from TV and related is around about 40% of the revenue of, the, of the, either the club or the sport. Now, the media rights are so intrinsic to Formula One in two respects – Formula One under Bernie Eccleston until, and he went through some private equity partners as well, which we don't need to go into the story there. But forever in Formula One, it was going to split up. Okay, the teams were going to go their separate ways. A little bit like the English Premier League, what happened there in, in, in the late 80s, early 90s, the team said to the football uh, league, get lost, we, we're going to set up our own league now. And the league, football league had no answer to that. And if the teams decided to go, yeah, you, you are not going to watch lousy little cars. You want to see Ferraris yeah. and whatever. And so what's happened is... The Formula One teams get 50% of the TV money. Oh, wow. It oh, wow. channels okay. directly through Even Formula One. It's a 50% split goes to the teams, but the teams get a disproportionate share of that because that goes into – that's the prize money effectively. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. So there's, there's base fees, but effectively the teams get half the media money. Okay, and then they obviously get other money as well, but they actually pay some fees back to Formula One okay. as well, which I'll explain how that works. So uh, that's really important. So the more the meteorites, yeah, and they're usually sold by country, yeah, uh, you know, and the biggest rights are in Europe, okay, historically, UK, uh, Germany, places like that, but. 
guess what? Like every other sport that didn't originate in America, guess where the biggest new market yeah, is? America. US, yeah. Americans have decided there's more to the world than their four sports. And this, you know, the two sports they're into big time are English Premier League's football and Formula One. To, to give people an idea of just how profound the US growth is. Yeah. So since Liberty took over about five years ago now, four yeah. years ago, Half of US fans started following F1 over the past four years. Absolutely. That's yeah. uh, that's from a Liberty presentation. Yeah. And just over the last year, between 2021 and 2022, the average US viewership per G- Grand Prix yeah. up 28%. Absolutely. So, like, the US is just booming yeah. for Formula One right now. Stoked for Formula One. Yeah. <laughs> what a market. This is, this is really... Crucial. I'll, fi- I'll finish the two points off because they're going to wind into cru- how crucial that is. Uh, the fifth point I had, so the fourth point is the media rights. The fifth point is because the media rights are, are so big, then that attracts everybody else. It attracts, you know, you want merch, mm. you know, because you see it on TV. You want to walk around in the streets with a Daniel Ricciardo McLaren hat, or you did at the Australian Grand Prix, yours for only $70, (laughs) you know, know, 70-buck baseball hat, you know, the other stuff. And it's the commercial deals. So if there's a load of kids walking around with hats or shirts, you want your name on the shirt, your business. So that's why TeamViewer, for example, which is a German company, pays ridiculous amounts of its revenue to Manchester United to have TeamViewer as the main, you know, as the main sponsorship logo on Man United. So this stuff attracts merch and commercial arrangements, which is really important to Formula One. The sixth thing that Formula One has that virtually no other sport has, which which is the real sex to sex on wheels. <laughs> it's technology. Okay. It's tech. Because this feeds real innovation. You buy a Ferrari when your two-year wait is over, it's technology that's being developed yeah, on the race tracks yeah. of the world. It's the same with Mercedes. Uh, it's the same with Honda, don't forget, because there's so many Honda-powered engines, even though they don't mm. run a works team. Okay. So F1 has that extra thing, which makes it even more valuable because people are paying you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for you know, motor cars to put in their garage that are tried and tested. Mm. So... Formula One's revenue base, let's just get to this because it's important to see how it's changed and why it's a much better sport than it ever was under the clutches of Eccleston, okay? So 37% of the revenue comes from meteorites, okay? That's going to keep growing. 30% comes from race promotion. So when Melbourne has the Australian Grand Prix, Melbourne pays Formula One to put on the Grand Prix, Okay, now it obviously gets ticket sales and things like that. It doesn't get all the commercial, okay, it gets most of it, Mm. but it has to pay a large amount of money to F1 to actually put the sport on. And what Eccleston was doing was he was selling the race promotions to basically places like Azerbaijan, Dubai, UAE, Saudi Arabia. In other words, the places where the fans don't really want to go. There aren't a lot of fans, Mm. but there are governments and commercial enterprise who've got tons and tons of money. It got so bad that the two 
probably the two most prestigious Grand Prix, sorry, two of the three most prestigious Grand Prix on the circuit nearly got eliminated. Really? Because they just wouldn't pay? Yeah, which was which was the British Grand Prix mm. at Silverstone and the French Grand Prix at Circuit Paul Ricard. Uh, and that actually that actually dropped off the calendar. And Monaco went close, mm. okay, sure which is pay. the Blue Ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's the worst race yeah. by a mile, yeah. it's the Blue Ribbon event. 16% comes from advertising and sponsorship, you know, to Formula One itself, not the teams, but yep. to F1 itself. And the rest is what's called other, which is 17% of the revenue. And that includes things like, um, I, I've described F1 as it, it is the biggest circus in the world. It's the biggest travelling circus in the world. If you've ever been to an F1 race, you know why, you know, it's huge, Okay. And how do you think all the stuff gets mm. there? Yes, Formula One gets it there for you, the team. Right, okay. But you've got to pay for them to freight your cars and your pits and your gear, okay? So F1 is a real moat, mm. okay? There's a moat because the teams are locked in till 2110. Oh, Wait, what? actually? There's a 90-year <laughs> deal. Whoa. Okay, and when you're getting half the TV rights and the stuff put on for you, you are not going to leave. Yeah. When you say it's a 90-year deal, is it is it that revenue split is 90 years, or they that, they're like Ferrari have no, to the, front up for the next 90 years? Wow. No, that Ferrari have to front up, but but F you know F1 have got to front up the stuff for Ferrari as well. Now, I mean, it's not to say that there might not be a recutting of bits of the deal. This is actually called Concord Eight. This is the eighth Concord between F1 and the teams, you know, uh, from basically about the late 80s. F1 started properly in 1974, mm. okay? If I can give you an idea as well, just to give you an idea, what, what's this thing worth? Uh, Formula One's equity, there's... Um, we talked A, A, B and K shares. There's 24 million A shares, 2.4 million B shares, which have 10 votes, uh, and there's 207 million non-voting shares. So the 234 million in total shares, uh, the equity value is about 14 billion US. Uh, the net debt's only about 1.4 billion. So the enterprise value is about 15.5 billion. These guys bought the business for 4.4 billion mm. in 2000 and 17, but there was 4 billion plus of debt as well. Right. Okay. So the enterprise value is about 8.4 billion. So the EV is about doubled. Yeah, right. Wow. The operating profit, okay, that's before interest payments, depreciation and everything else, and it is a pretty good proxy for the cash flow, the gross cash flow. Uh, the operating profit this year will be about 575 million US. Uh, and so the shares trade at 28 times enterprise value to operating profit. Okay. So that is up there with luxury goods companies. It's up there with, in fact, it's more than uh, Ferrari itself. It's not quite as much as certain sporting teams. Okay, some sporting teams are more expensive than that because they're easy to transfer. Yeah. Okay. You can't transfer Formula One to a sort of Middle Eastern potentate that easily because you've got to drag, uh, you've got to drag 10 or 12 teams along with you. Mm. The upside is, by the way, you're probably all aware of the fact that Audi yeah. and Porsche yeah, are going to join in. Yeah. for F1. Oh, yeah. The oh, okay. entry fee, new team, $200 million. Wow. 
entry wow. fee to get in. Wow. Okay, for a new team. Worth it. So you better have backers. <laughs> if you're Porsche, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you've got to have backers. You've got to have backers. So the way I look at it, I think it is one of the greatest businesses on earth. Mm. Because I think now what, what Chase Carey, who is ex-News Corp, who has run Formula One effectively uh, as the kind of executive chairman, okay, they've done is they've locked the teams in. Yep. WWE, by contrast, yeah, they're, they're a competing wrestling circuits now, you know, because it makes a lot of money. It's controlled by Vince McMahon. Vince is not on the board anymore because Vince got a new girlfriend and bought her presence with the company's money. I'm not saying that wrestling is easy to replicate, but it's not hard. Try and replicate Formula One. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and as long as the teams are happy, they're not going to try and go on their own. So, Andrew, I think you've uh, articulated the bull case there. What, what's the bear case? What, why would this not be – why would this not work out? Why would this okay. not be a good investment? The, the most obvious bear case is that the, the stock is pretty expensive. Yeah, if you know, if you've been to a Formula One event, um, you know, you, you really have to kind of save up to go. Yeah, it's, the, yeah, the ticket prices are expensive. The city that it's held in, if it's held in a city like Melbourne, I went to the Australian Grand Prix this year. So the, the tickets were 500 bucks and we didn't stay in a hotel. I stayed with friends because hotel rooms were like, you know, sort of a grand a night for nothing. Uh, Airfares air were really, really expensive. So... It is a sport where if people don't have any money, you will simply sit and watch on television, mm. okay? You will not attend the track. And if so, if people don't attend the track and the attendances go down, and this is what happened with Melbourne, don't forget, people got bored with F1 because the same guy won every year for a while, which was Michael Schumacher, and then obviously Hamilton went on a burn and people got bored with it. And so what you need is competition and that's what Liberty have introduced, you know. Um, some may say it's more than competition. It's expensive and, and so in a recession you won't go. You will watch on television. Mm. There's only certain people will, will be able to go. So that's number one. So it could impact on the ability that cities have. At the moment that doesn't seem to be happening because the biggest problem Formula One have is that they, they've got 25 events already and the drivers are sort of saying, no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a lot of sports. The participants are kind of, you know, to be blunt, they're really tired. Yeah. You know, 25 Grand Prix in, in 52 brutal, weeks, yeah. you know, and well, the travel well, around the world yeah. is brutal. Yeah. So that's the biggest issue there. They can't, you know, they can't put 40 Grand Prix on in a year. They yeah. just simply yeah. wouldn't be able to do it. There's no issue from the manufacturers because, you know, one of the big things that's happened on the stock market in recent years is you had the spin of Ferrari out of Fiat Chrysler and that, that's been a one to stock. Porsche's now spun out of Volkswagen. Uh, there's rumours Lamborghini will spin out of Volkswagen as oh, well. Really? So if you get high-end car manufacturers um, and we're in an environment where, sorry, like it or not, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer uh, in a recession with inflation, mm. you know, you, the poor like me have to spend more money on bread, cheese and baked beans, you know, whereas you know, the rich who rent me my house and sell me my food, you know, yeah. basically get more money. And so these people can play. 
mm. and, and they've got more money to play with. Plus, obviously, you've got more places in the world that have got, you know, hydrocarbons to sell to other people and lithium and other things. So the main threat is just really a, a really, really deep recession uh, and that the car companies themselves can't, you know, really invest in it because the, the amount of money they invest in this is just huge, mm. you know, as you well know. So they're the, big, they're the biggest threats. I think it's shown that it's not necessarily a um, – it's not necessarily just a sort of good-time economy sport because of the interest and because it's got new markets. The biggest growth option to it is, is those new markets. Mm. It's China where it's not huge. You've got one Chinese driver, Zhou Guanyu. And, you know, if the, the more this really gets into to Asia, you've got one Japanese driver. And it's about that. Mm. Let me uh, put one thing to you when we're talking bear case. Are we at peak F1 because we're at peak drive to survive and those new US fans will leave, all those people that decided to go back to Melbourne uh, will get sick of drive to survive by season eight and they'll walk away. Is Has it been a sugar hit for a sport that wasn't fundamentally capturing people's attention five years ago? It's been a sugar hit, yes, because it's brought out the personalities. If Max Verstappen wins every race for the next five years, you will not be watching Formula One, okay? And unfortunately, that's what was going on and has gone on in the past, okay? The the highs in Formula One in the 1960s and the 1970s in the old structure was because it was really competitive. Different drivers won each different race, okay? The thing that will kill it is if somebody's got the best car. And remember, we're talking about competing technologically, yeah, you know, so there's, there's there's a chance that kind of Bryce has got the best car and he's going to beat you up the road every day, Ren, and then, you know, then you, you come and see one of my techo friends and the reverse happens. I also think that uh, Drive to Survive was an entry point, but now, like, I watch the actual season, so I don't need to watch Drive to Survive. Yeah, hey, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair, there are people that don't watch Formula One because yeah. they don't want it to ruin Drive to Survive. Yeah, is, yeah absolutely. Fair, fair call. <laughs> the, the but, but they're probably ones but, that also buy merch and stuff anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, key, the key is, like any sport, you've got to have personalities mm. in a sport. You can't just have automatons. Yeah. You've got to have personalities. I mean, what's... What's been the, you know, let's look at it, take another sport. What's been the biggest sport, you know, biggest debate in, in, you know, and talking point in, in football, you know, for the last four months? You know, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. You know, this sort of, you know, miserable 37-year-old, you know, who's way past his peak now and can't cope with it. And, yeah, it's just filled column inches and, and podcast minutes galore. And as long as you've got talking points, and F1 is now open to those talking points, we know Verstappen is dedicated and possibly not the most interesting personality, but there's a million other really interesting personalities mm. in Formula One, mm. not least, of course, the team owners. Mm, mm. You know, you're into the team owners. They're like the coaches, you know. The, mm. You know, you, you talk about coaches in football. Yeah, these are the coaches. Mm. Yeah. So to close out, yeah. um, where do you expect Formula One slash Liberty yep. to be in 10 years? Okay. And, and there's probably a key question there. Mm. Is Formula One even under Liberty in 10 years? 
I would expect Liberty to sell Formula One at some stage in the next 10 years because, um, you know, John Malone's in his early 80s. Malone has had his toughest year, I think, in terms of critique from stock market analysts. Uh, most of the stocks in his empire have gone down and they've not gone down a little bit. They've gone down a lot. Uh, you know, Liberty Broadband's down, you know, 50 to 60%, for example, which is just a leverage play on charter. Um, and a lot of the other things, Liberty TripAdvisor, there's a lot more people kind of questioning why do we need all these things? Why do we need this structure? What's it for, John? This is stuck in the 1980s, mate. Um, and, you know, and, and now he's playing around again with the Liberty Media structure. So I would expect in 10 years that, that Mr Malone may not be on the planet. You know, I hope mm-hmm. he is, but uh, he may not be. He'll be 91, so actuarially he's less likely to be. Uh, and I think even though he's got a real lieutenant in Greg Maffey who runs a lot of the, you know, individual things and effects of the Liberty structure, I I think that, that somebody will come along because, you know, top-line sport is so sexy as an investment, if you can lock it in, uh, that someone will come along and they may not necessarily be, um, you know, it could be private equity again, you know, private equity getting into football clubs. Uh, obviously, the Middle East are getting into a lot of different sports, not least football clubs, because they're mad on football. they got a ton of money and, you know, they, they feel it may assist their reputations a little. Um, so two Premier League teams are owned by Middle Eastern sovereign wealth funds, effectively, Newcastle and Manchester City. Mm. So there's plenty of buyers with money there. Mm. And they like Formula One. There are Formula One Grand Prix. I think there are four in the Middle Eastern region. Yeah. Mm. So I think you'll get a chance to sell at some stage. Okay. If he does sell and you own, let's say you own the Formula One A, F-W-O-N-A, and he sells, do you get, is it like if a company that you own gets sold, like will you get some of that economic benefit? You should get some of that economic benefit because quite clearly they'd have too much money, you know, coming into, you know, the central structure. So, yes, you would get that okay, benefit, yeah. yeah. That's probably I, an important I just want to point out one, one thing, I think, as we've said, we said that uh, sometimes the non-voting shares trade at a premium to the voting shares because a lot more of them. That's very much the case with Formula One. Uh, a couple of days before this was broadcast, the A shares traded at 54 they've got a vote and, and the non-voting shares traded at 61. Wow. So that's a big premium. Yeah. That's a big premium. So pretty obviously, I think, you know, number one, if you were to buy this security because you think, you know, what we've said, you know, just tells you it's a hell of a business and you're a little less price sensitive, you do have to be a genuine long-term investor. So the earnings catch up a little bit with what I think is a, is a high valuation but one that might be justified because it's a monopoly. Uh, and if you did, you'd probably better off buying the ashes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, obviously, not advice. Not uh, advice. This is Andrew's just, opinion. Yeah. Uh, we're here to learn. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it was informative. So, a, th- a thank you to Sharesies for supporting Equity Mate Summer Series. Head to sharesies.com.au or download the Sharesies app. But, uh, Andrew, thank you so much for coming and talking right. us through Absolute Liberty Media. Pleasure. Yeah, it was great. We really appreciate your time, as always. And, uh, no, Thank my, you very much. No, my total pleasure. One of, one of the most exciting bits of the stock market is sports listed and, yeah. and no sports doubt. teams on the market. Yeah, it's great. fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Andrew. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. 
This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.